Welcome to One Life Online. The podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from John chapter 10 verses 1 through 21, presented by Nigel Harding. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will, by His grace. Looking at Josiah being dedicated reminds me of my my mother's accounts of my dedication. It was a special occasion for my parents in offering me up to the Lord for his purposes. And here I am today, standing before you, delivering the word of God. Such a great honor and a privilege that is always. My mother also tells me when we were living on the island of St. Helena, we traveled a lot. It was a very unsettling childhood for me. Uh, Over many moves, I went to more than 10 schools and lived, I have lived in more than 25 dwelling places in my lifetime. So that makes an average of every two years I have moved. Uh, For someone who's placid and a bit of an introvert, to stand up here is an extraordinary act of God's grace. (laughs) But at four years old, I was in bed one night on, you know, on our bunk beds in a separate room from the house. It was a scary room. Underneath there was just an empty storeroom. Used to feel like there were demons under there. Used to ask for my mother to pray for the devil to leave. And one night apparently I said, Mommy, when can I shout at people like Daddy? Because it was a Sunday night and he was in the, the main church preaching to a few people. <laughs> uh, all this week we, I, I work at a school called Heritage and today our theme verse was read children are a heritage from the Lord and certainly they are and worthy of our investment in their lives that they may be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has called them to do and all of us are called to do But even though I was off this week and had many things to do for school, this task, calling to speak to you this morning occupied my mind more than everything else. (laughs) So that is, I guess, a sign of God's continued purpose in my life. Though at times we all feel, I'm sure, that uh, that season is over, It's, it's finished. God has not finished with any of us. God is on the move. God is at work. God is moving in places, dark places, where you are, where nobody else is that shines light but you. You're his city on a hill that cannot be hidden. One of the things about uh, the story we're going to read is that the central uh, figure of the story is the Ark of the Covenant, actually, not the stone at all. The Ark of the Covenant is the central person, really, 
of the story. And the story ends with the, or climaxes, with the ark being set on a hill, the hill where Abinadab's house is, and it lives there for 20 years. Today we are the Ark of the Covenant. Did you know that? You are an Ark of the Covenant. You carry the holy presence of God. You demonstrate his miracles, just like the Aaron's rod that budded. You represent proof of his provision, just like the jar of manna which God provided in the wilderness. You are a testimony of God's presence in the earth. The Ark of the Covenant is so holy. Yes, you are so holy, set apart for God's purposes, beyond your own, beyond your own plans, ambitions, hopes. This is the supreme occupation in God's mind of your life not your provision, not your job, not your career, not your family even. You as a representative of God in the earth is his prime occupation of the church and of its members of which you are one. And we are members of the church not as individuals actually. We are members of the church bound together as living stones built into a spiritual house. Hallelujah. A spiritual house. Many of you use sigiris, right? Some of you use sigiris. Some of you are into stoves now. You don't need sigiris anymore. But charcoal, if you take charcoal out of the sigiri and you throw it aside, how long will it stay hot? Not long, huh? You keep it in the sigiri and it stays hot. How do we stay hot, hot, hot? by staying in the church, by staying built and bound next to other living stones who sometimes aggravate us. <coughs> the stone is so sharp and awkward, but it's a stone God has put me next to. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm already preaching and I haven't even read a verse. Ebenezer Stone would be a great name for somebody who wants to be an actor, wouldn't it? <clears throat> uh, there are many living stones in Uganda. I love the name Livingstone, and we are all Livingstones. But Ebenezer Stone, indeed it is a stone that we are considering. Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near to, the attack, to, to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. We thank you, Lord, for your word. It is rich and it leads us to you. We pray you would speak by your spirit and guide my thoughts as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. In, Psalm, in the Psalms, we find in verse chapter 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples conspire together or plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. There is a holy hill. There is a place where Jesus lives and he calls us to. A place of holiness and sanctification being set apart from the gods of this world and the ways of this world. Though we live in the world, we do not conspire and operate as the world does. The world is full of violence. The Bible says that people's mouths are like open graves. They speak such horrible words about others so righteously they declare themselves superior to others. Speaking with a close, uh, someone close to me who was telling me how they were asking someone whether, whether they think they will go to heaven. And the person said, yes, I think I will go to heaven. Why do you think you'll go to heaven? Because I'm a good person. Why do you think you're a good person? Because I'm better than other people. Why do you think you're better? Yes, then you're a liar. <laughs> hmm. Doesn't the Bible say liars will not enter the kingdom of heaven? Wow. Watch your tongue. Lying is a big problem. Watch your tongue. What does your tongue do? Does it speak life or does it speak death? Does salt water and fresh water come from the same spring? Absolutely not, says James. Let what comes out of your mouth be good and pleasant and wholesome and helpful to other people. Getting back to the story. Samuel, you know. We're only in chapter 7. This story we're in now builds from around chapter 4. Samuel, of course, was brought to the temple by Hannah who came to the, not to the temple, the tabernacle. The temple didn't exist at this point. This is 3,100 years before Jesus Christ. Uh, be, yes, before, 3,100 years before us. But a long time before Jesus. So, look at this map. You've probably seen this map in, its, in a different form on the television this week if you have been observing what's been going on between Palestine and Israel. This is the same area, of course. It's an old battle, though not the same people. Not even the same people groups, but the same places. Ashdod is still there. Gaza is still there. So the Ark of the Covenant is a central part of Israel, has been since Moses. Represents the presence of God. Between the cherubim resides or dwells the Shekinah glory of the living God. And they went to battle with the Philistines. I keep saying Philistines and Philistines. I'm mixed up, aren't I? My pronunciation is all confused. I'm, I'm British and English, but I'm also Ugandan and I'm South African and I'm, I don't know, I have American friends and all kinds of things, so I pick up all sorts. <laughs> I'm part of the body of Christ. We're all mixed up. <laughs> I have a sister sitting in front of me who's from Ireland. 
I'm from Ireland. <laughs> no, you're not. You're from Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> My dear. So, here we have the places. And there's a place there you can see. I'm sorry, I can't see very well at the moment. I do have it on my phone, but it keeps shutting down. So there's a place there you can see called Shiloh. Can you see Shiloh? Why have you moved? You can't see it because the map has moved. Okay, up on the top there, where the red arrows go across, is a place called Shiloh. Shiloh is actually the place where the tabernacle is, and Eli the high priest is there. This is the place where um, the Ark of the Covenant is being kept, and they go into battle with the Philistines. And in the battle, the Israelites are losing, so they say, hey, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant into the battle, then we'll win. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the battleground. Between Aphek and Shiloh is where they are fighting. They bring the Ark of the Covenant, and whether it's God or not, the Ark of the Covenant is taken from them. And it brings great shame and embarrassment to the people of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant has left them. And the Philistines put it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And they have this ark with them for seven months. And throughout that period of time, they go through several plagues, which they attribute to the presence of God among them. God terrifies them. The Ark of the Covenant carries Aaron's rod, the tablets of stone, the law of God, representing his word, and the jar of manna, representing his provision. And between the cherubim is said to be a concentrated presence of God, the Shekinah glory. The cherubim, the two angels on top. The Ark of the Covenant is very holy, so holy, only Levites are allowed to carry it. Nobody else. It's carried into battle like a magic bullet. It's going to save us. And it doesn't. You know, Jesus is not a magic bullet. His name is not a magic bullet. The Bible is not a magic bullet. The people were being led to understand up to the passage we read that it's a submission to God that brings about victory, that brings about purpose in God's mind. We can't just use things as trickery. To make a weightiness, a heaviness, a splendor, an honor that belongs to the Lord. That is the holy presence of God, the Shekinah Ichabod. Sorry, Kabod. Kabod is holiness, glory, holy glory. Ichabod is the vacuum, the total absence of such glory from the house of the Lord. So God's glory has gone. God's glory is awesome. And in the wrong place and in the wrong hands, the glory of God is fearsome, terrifying, 
You remember that Moses asked the Lord, show me your glory, Lord. And the Lord said, you've asked an awesome thing. If I show you my glory, you will not live. No one can see the face of God and live, said the Lord. There are two sides to God's glory. There's his face and his back, and Moses sees his back. So the people who look upon the Ark of the Covenant in a pagan temple suffer greatly. Plagues come by rats to each town. There are five towns. There are five lords of the Philistines. Five towns and five lords in every town. They move it from town to town to try and get rid of the plague. And in every town the ark goes to, another plague hits the people and thousands die. So they mold into gold tumors representing the plagues that the people were suffering from. Sounds like bubonic plague. And five rats being the carriers of the plague and also representing the leaders of the five cities. And they put them alongside the ark and they sent the ark back to Israel because it was disturbing them. The ark of the covenant made the, the, the god Dagon collapse in its own temple. Its arm and head came off. This box that represents the glory and heaviness of God so the Philistines sent it back on a cart carried by two milking cows, cows that were in milk because they had calves. And the calves they put in, in a shelter somewhere so that the calves could not reach their mothers and the mothers could not reach their calves. The instinct of a cow would be to go and find its calf. The cows had never been yoked before. They'd never had an, a wooden brace on their necks. And they said, this is our test to see whether these plagues came from God. We'll put the yoke on unfamiliar cows who are not familiar with yokes, who want to be with their, to nurse their young and see whether they go in the right direction. If they come back looking for their calves, then we know that it wasn't God. And the cows actually went back to Israel. Proof to the pagans that this God of the Ark of the Covenant was the one who was punishing them. So we come to our point in the story. They are meeting with the prophet or judge. And he tells them to get rid of all your idols. How does this speak to us? What do you mean? How do we get rid of our idols? The people of Israel had adopted the Canaanite gods, as well as, of course, Yahweh, their supreme God. But Yahweh didn't always seem to come and deal with local problems. So let's get local gods to handle our local problems. Let's have Baals and let's have Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth is is actually today in demonology. It's still part of demonology. Baals were local gods who influenced the weather, who caused fertility to crops, who made the ground yield its food, according to Canaanite belief. So the Israelites thought, let's also use these Baals because they can give rain to my hill and they can make my crops grow. 
Baal's the gods that lord over the region, weather, crops, and agronomy. These are, this is an agronomous society. What is agronomy? Agricultural economy. So basically, they're looking at a god that will serve their economy. Ashtoreth, the goddess of love and fertility, human fertility, and also the, god, the goddess who uh, gives victory in war. God was not pleased with, their, with Israel's dependence on other gods to serve their problems. God is still not pleased when we look for other solutions to problems that only God can solve. Check your trust. What Israel did is still being done, <laughs> even in the church. There is still witchcraft. There are still idols. There are still people who look to other methods other than prayer, other than fasting, other than seeking the face of God. Even in my own life, I have done it also. <laughs> Self-made spiritual methods, magical use of holy things. Bring in gifts of appeasement. Let's make something that God will be pleased with. Let me give him 10% of my stolen earnings. That'll be fine, I've tithed it. Let us use the name of Jesus to make something happen. Let me use the name of Jesus to curse somebody that's my enemy. Let me use the gods of this world to make myself more stable economically. The challenge of this passage to us today may seem irrelevant because we don't have idols. Do we not? Check yourself. The solution that, that the judge Samuel gives us is direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Serve the Lord only. No one else. God wants exclusive devotion. God wants exclusive devotion. He doesn't share his bed with other women as he speaks through the prophets. Hallelujah. God doesn't share his wife, you are part of his bride. He doesn't share you with anyone else. So he calls them to Mizpah. Mizpah is a place of promise. It's where Laban and, um, and Jacob met, and the words that are in Genesis are used to uh, express devotion in human love sometimes. But so Mizpah is a place of covenant. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of redirecting thoughts. That's where Samuel calls them to. And he makes an offering there. And the people say to him, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, Samuel. Cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. It's a place of change. Mizpah means watchtower. God is watching. God is watching and looking all the time. Recently, as a personal testimony, recently I needed a lot of money, in my mind, not in this world's mind, to pay for a course that I'm studying. It came to the climax the last day when I was supposed to pay 50% of the course fees. There's a university in the UK, I'm doing an online course. 
To me, it was an impossible uh, obstacle to overcome. I called the tutor on my course and I said, this is the last day. I have to pay today or I'll be off the course. I can't see that I'm going to make it. That very night, I got a call from a friend who I've not heard from for years. He said, I've read your, read your information. What do you need? How much do you need to make up the 50%? I told him. He said, well, I don't have it. <laughs> okay, thanks. Please pray with me. Okay, he says, I'm going to pray with you. He says, I don't have it, but I was talking to a friend. I told him, hey, man, let's help this guy, Nigel. He's a great brother. Yeah, why don't we? So they sent. I was ready to give up. I was ready to say, Lord, where are you? What's happening? I thought this was your will, but it's, it's not coming to pass. And then the Lord provided that very day, the last day. Hmm. See, I thought I didn't have the resources. I thought I didn't have what I needed, but God made a way. God is always watching. That's why I mentioned this testimony, Watchtower. Touched the heart of a brother to help me. It's not that we deserve anything. It's that we surrender our lives to the Lord. We serve him only and he blesses our lives because of it. Hallelujah. So, the other place that is very important, which you may have overlooked. When... When the Philistines came after the Israelites, they were angry with them. They were making a covenant, with, a renewed covenant with God. There was a lamb being slain, a nursing lamb. Oh, a nursing lamb. A nursing lamb was... A nursing lamb was slain for the sins of the people. <clears throat> Then they marched out and they passed the place called Beth-car. Beth-car, Beth you probably know means house. Bethlehem, house of bread. Beth-car, house of the lamb. They passed the house where the lamb came from. And God saved them from their enemies. They drove the Philistines out and as you read, the Philistines never disturbed them again all the time Samuel was alive. So we look upon a lamb as well, don't we? Is there not a lamb that we look upon? Is there not a house of the lamb we belong to? Is there not a lamb who was innocent of any transgressions, of any sins whatsoever, yet he was slaughtered like a, a poor little lamb? He was slaughtered by this world for the sins of this world. There are a number of houses in this story. The house of the Lamb, the house of Abinadab on the hill. And there's this stone, the stone of Ebenezer. Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us. Can you testify to that? Up to this point in time. Up to this day of my, my living, the Lord has helped me.
Sometimes we wonder where that help is going to come from. Where is my help coming from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. A stone was put there as a remembrance, a memorial. Nothing magical about the stone. Every time you walk past the stone, you remember, why is that stone there? Ah, that stone is there because... Do you have any memorials in your life? Do you have any testimonies that you recount? Memories, events, even places, things that are memorial to you. They remind you of God's faithfulness. They remind you, the Lord is my helper. Up to this point in my life, he has never forsaken me. Yes, it has been tough. Yes, there have been times when I have been on the brink of giving up. Yes, there have been times when I have not seen a way through. But even so, up to this point in time, the Lord has been my helper. There's another stone in the New Testament, a living stone. I want to... First chapter 2. My time is running out, so I have to finish with this passage. First Peter chapter 2. I'm reading from verse 12. Let the word speak to you. So put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn babies, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. God is calling a people out of the world for himself. People of the Gentiles, people of the nation of political Israel are also being called out. He is creating a people who are his holy possession, a people belonging to him, devoted to him, serving him only. We are a people who by his grace get rid of things that are unholy and unclean and useless in the kingdom of God. 
We are a people who recognize there are those who take offense at this gospel, who stumble over this stone that was rejected, that was cast aside. But God took a stone that was cast aside and he made it the cornerstone around which everything else is built, upon which everything else stands. He is the most important person in all of the universe and of creation itself. He is highly exalted. He humbled himself and God exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There is no other name upon which we can throw ourselves for mercy. And as we do, he pours his grace into our lives, unmerited favor, because he loves us. He cares for you. He knows you. He watches you. He sees your covenant with him. He recognizes your obedience to him. And he moves upon your, your life in ways mysterious at times, in ways obvious at others, that you may know. He is your God. He is your Ebenezer. He is the one up to this point in time he has helped you. And he will not forsake you now. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. For God is faithful. He is not a man that he should lie. God is immutable, unchanging. If he is unchanging, he can never lie. He can never change his mind. He has committed himself to something and he will do it. So he will see it through for you. He will see you through in your salvation. He will see you through to heaven. He will take you into, through the pearly gates. You will pass whoever it is that is going to inspect you and say, who are you? I'm a child of the king. I am a son of Jesus Christ. I have been born again by the Spirit of God. I belong to him. I have been redeemed by his blood, the precious lamb of God. Lord, we thank you that we are yours, that you will never... Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.